Petra Gare needs no introduction, but we'll give him one anyway. Paddy is a New Zealand cultural icon, a political menace, and a Ooh. journalistic beast. Rising wow. to popularity for his ability to cut through the political complexity and spin to deliver simply the fucking news. <laughs> Patrick, also known as Matua Paddy G, oh, yeah. is one of Aotearoa's treasured media figures, and we're so grateful to have him in the studio today. Welcome to the podcast, Paddy Gow. I'm going to have to buy that intro off you afterwards, <laughs> ma- make a donation to Salient, and yeah. blow that up in big letters. And Good one for and, the LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah that is. I'll, I'll use it. That was awesome. Thank you very much. I got emotional at Journalistic Beast. That's great. I like yeah. that one. So we're in, in the Salient office, which is sort of where it all started for you. Are you able to tell about your your past at Salient? When I came to Victoria University many, 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 many years ago, I studied a BA and I finished my BA, which was in politics, believe it or not. And I was in no way ready to get a job. I was just 20 years old. You know, I'd been at school, I'd done my BA, I had a degree. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was interested in journalism. And I couldn't get into any journalism courses either, by the way, because I hadn't done any journalism. All I'd done is read the paper a lot, you know, because back in the day, that was that was it. It was the paper in the six o'clock news. So anyway, I needed to get work experience and I came back and did an honours year. And in that honours year, started writing for Salient, where believe it or not, I had a sports column which was called It's a Funny Old Game. And I wrote it with my friend, Carl Orwood, who wants me to come and watch the the Warriors, by the way. So, you know, I'm still friends with him. I'm still into sport with him. He's a lawyer now. I've had a lot of stuff published since then. But I can tell you right now, the first stuff I had published under my name was was right here in this building with this magazine how good is that that's pretty amazing like we've that... actually got the book here oh so my god have a little look. oh geez the archives yeah Alien 1998 yeah everyone listening we have a huge black archive yeah. <laughs> and we were doing some trawling oh, through to god. find some articles by thank you by yourself wow here we go okay does we... this bring back some memories yeah it does it is massive yeah i don't remember it so being got... that big don't it's a funny old game <laughs> so we've bookmarked a couple of them, a couple of the pieces you've written about Louis Lloyd from South Africa and what you've written about him, Lloyd needs to get himself a dictionary and look up the word courage because he obviously has no idea what the word means. He's a coward. Lloyd himself is a spineless racist. He wow. was an arrogant and dishonorable dictator while in charge of South African rugby. He has been an embarrassment to South Africa and sport in general. Resigning has been the best thing that the desperately overweight Lloyd has done in his sorry excuse a for a life. You're going to get yourself cancelled. <laughs> Maybe it's time for our friend to go on a diet. So that is from 1998. Whoa, okay. Well. okay. So we've got a book review. This is a huge piece on race relations in yeah. New Zealand media. It's yeah, I'm so glad you found this because I was going to talk. I, I thought they might not have found this because mm. they, they might have looked for the sports column. Yeah, this is huge. Huge. Let's go into this. This is tell this us is, about this it. This is amazing. What do you remember? Well, I remember doing this. This is a big dive into the way that race was reported in New Zealand media. A psychology lecturer here had done a study. There was a big scandal at the time to do with the New Zealand First Party, and Tukurangi Morgan was one of their MPs, and he'd bought an $89 pair of underpants, and it had been this story. You know what I mean? But this is sounding like I can remember all this. Eh? Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, we were and, reading yeah. it this morning. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah. this is obviously before our time, but we're reading about, you know, skid marks in his undies, whether that was fair reporting. Is that yeah. a huge piece as well? Yeah. For people who can't see it, it's called Skin Deep, the Polarization of Māori Pākehā Relations and News Media. And it's a huge spread. It's massive. Yeah. It's two sort of newsprint pages. And, you know, what had happened was, you know, this the psychology lecturer had sort of found that a lot of the language that was being used in the reporting sensationalised it and made race relations worse because mm. this was a, a Māori MP. 
and and the headlines would pump up the you know offending with question with quote marks around it and basically was sort of saying that the Dominion Post or it was the Dominion at that stage believe it or not because it's the Dominion and the Evening Post still around in those days it's not even called either it's called the Post now <laughs> and you know it was basically saying that the Dominion, you know, would ramp up racial undertone. You know, it's funny looking back at this being so long ago that, you know, there's still issues like this happening now in our media. It's still relevant. And but my memory of this is it will be a funny one and it's a, sort of an interesting one. I didn't actually seek the right of reply from the Dominion Post. Yeah. And they got quite grumpy. So that was a really <laughs> bad thing to do to not get right of reply from an actual media organization. Yeah. The budding journalist. And the lecturer also didn't like he thought that I'd been too sensational in reporting his study. Mm. So yeah. this was an early sign of being a Juno where you just cannot please either side. Yeah. You kind of come out and basically both sides didn't like me after this article, which is so, <laughs> which be probably became a bit of a theme uh, of my work. But uh, to be honest, I've actually got a couple of tears in my eyes just seeing it because I haven't seen it for a long time. I, I, I do still have this somewhere, but it's awesome to see that and to think of everything that I've done since I did this. It's amazing. So thank you for getting it out. Yeah, no, no worries. Yeah. We've yeah. got loads, so we can have a little look through after we've got time, but we've bookmarked quite a, a walk few. down memory lane. Yeah, it is a walk down memory lane. Are you able to tell us about how you went from this? Is this where you really got? Yeah, so here I was in my honours year, and as you can see, I was starting to write and publish stuff, and I was interested in the in the media, and, and that gave me enough clippings, because as you can see, it's like a newspaper, to apply for journalism school at the end of my honours year, and, and that's what I did. I did a fifth year at uni, and I, I went to Auckland and did a journalism diploma up there. People can't see that I'm actually stroking this article at the moment, <laughs> which is very weird. Because <laughs> no, no. I'm sort of stroking it like it's a familiar... It, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see it, you know. And I think for me, it just shows, look, when you're young and you start out, you do small things and they can later in life turn into really big things. And it's pretty cool to, to see this article, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. How would you say your style or approach to journalism has changed from that very first couple of articles? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you the honest answer. It's so long ago, <laughs> I can't remember. And I mean, this is a lifetime ago. You know, this is, what, how many years is this? It's 20, it's 24, yet, yeah. 24, 20, 25 years, yeah. 25 years ago, you know, and that's more than your guys' lifetimes. And it's hard to know exactly how my style's changed, but even doing this mm. as a young reporter, you know, I wasn't even a reporter, just doing this as a young person, this is a pretty ballsy article. Mm. I'm pretty, pretty proud that I was trying shit like that on at yeah. that age. Like taking on the Dominion Post yeah. when I was 20 years old. Good on me. I'm proud. <laughs> well, this is a big piece for yeah. student journalists, especially, you know, you said you didn't have a lot of experience. You were doing. I didn't have any. Yeah. Yeah. You, had, you were doing <laughs> politics at uni. What really got you interested in doing yeah, um, profession? Yeah. It's funny that I did politics down here, you know, because I became a political journalist. But actually, after this year, when I wrote this article, I got into journalism school and I went right away from politics and and I wasn't involved in student politics. I was on the periphery of, of salient in this sort of scene, but I was sort of more of a rugby head kind of person mm. at that particular time as I was sort of trying to find, you know, it sounds like an old person now, but I was sort of trying to find my identity, I guess. And looking at this, it's like, well, it was probably right in front of my face what my identity really was and it was this kind of stuff rather than walking around with shorts in winter and a rugby jersey on that wasn't really my identity yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know doing this stuff was and yeah you know after that I actually went right away from politics and there was no 
big plan for me to become a journalist because I sort of just did it because I was trying to find some way to get out of university and get in the workforce. And, you know, so I sort of stumbled into journalism and and then I went right away from politics, even though I had a degree in it and later came back to be a political journalist. That wasn't part of the plan either. It just sort of looks like it on mm-hmm. paper. But yeah, after this, I went away. I was actually a crime reporter and an investigative journalist and I went overseas and I did all sorts of stuff before I became a political journalist. But yeah. You've had lots of changes in your career. Got Paddy Gow has issues. Yes. You've done your docu-series. Yep. You're on weed, on vaping. Yep. Can you tell us a bit about your change from the, the cut and thrust of daily political journalism to these more in-depth different types of media? Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the cool things about my career, and it doesn't matter whether you're doing journalism and hopefully you guys carry on, and isn't it awesome that you can do stuff like podcasting and writing? Because when this article got written, there was... I think the internet existed, but I definitely did not know about it, right? I think it came in a year later or something. And so look at all this cool stuff that you're doing. And and I think for me, you know, my career has changed a lot over the years. I was, you know, did this. Then I was a police reporter, like a real news hound on a newspaper, like out covering murders became a political reporter at a at the newspaper then I became a political reporter on TV then I became the main political reporter for a TV channel then I left all that and I became a roving reporter and then like you say I started on my documentaries and now I've got my own show where I sort of trying to do a different kind of journalism that I've ever done before and and I think for journalists and and for anyone who's starting a career it's cool to just keep doing different stuff. That's what I that's what I like doing. I like having an adventure in my job. I like meeting people. I like all of these things that come with journalism. I just like sort of changing it up. Um, I was a, a political reporter for 10 years down the road here in Parliament for all of my 30s. I wasted all of my 30s in that building. I, I, I compare it to doing a life sentence for murder in Paremo Remo prison because that's what I, 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 it felt like down there to me in the end. I felt that it was a prison. You can have a lot of fun where you can't have fun in prison. You can have a lot of fun in Parliament, but it's a really brutal place. It left me with a lot of problems from stress. I was an alcoholic. There's a lot of costs that comes with a with a hard living life down there. And then after I got out of that, the whole world was open to me. And, you know, I started making documentaries and exploring the more artistic side of using vision. It's a good question, Ethan, because I'm finding it hard to put into words of, to be honest, it's just blowing my mind talking to you, thinking of how I came from this thing here to the stuff that I do now. And I'm very lucky for everything that's happened because I can't even explain all the shit that I've done properly. Uh, <laughs> <do> you, oh. <laughs> is, that, is that a bad answer? I was no, just like, I was just like I've got to stop talking because this is making no, this is, you know, is this, is this guy on an LSD trip or something? Because what's, what's he, where's he gone? I'm, I'm, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your documentary series, obviously very in-depth, but also I'd say a lot of young people really connect to them, especially when you were doing the ones on alcohol, when you were going into parties and... Great day. Great day. Like, that became such a thing. Um, How has this... This is obviously a very different style of journalism, but would you say you have more artistic freedom? Yeah, it's a totally different style of journalism. And, you know, you got to remember that after I did this stuff, I worked at New Zealand Herald, Granny Herald. I was at (laughs) one of the most conservative places, you know, especially back when I was working there, you could work. Whereas... You know, the documentaries, they're personal, they show my personality, they show everything about me, and and people can get into them that way and still get the information. In fact, they can get the information a lot better, in my view, it's more accessible. Mm. And what I liked about my documentaries was 
they broke the mold and they appeal to young people, they appeal to old people. They were different to anything else that was out there and that's a cool thing to do. I love pushing boundaries with journalism and if you if you look at this article that we've got here, like I was pushing a few boundaries back in the day mm. and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud that I'm still doing that now and the documentaries have, the one on weed just was mind-blowing. Weed was something that, it just wasn't discussed, debated, talked about properly in the mainstream media, which I was part of. And what the documentary showed was, look, we'd been ignoring something that was a massive issue for heaps of people mm. for a long time. The whole time I'd been in the media, you know, people hardly ever did anything about cannabis. Mm. But what the documentary showed is that actually people were massively interested in it. There was a huge debate that was just sitting under the surface. And I say this as someone who's worked in the mainstream media, you know, we failed on that. In the mainstream media, we think we know everything about what people want. And you can go and look at pe what people are clicking on. You can get all of this data. But uh, I know myself from the sort of things that I've done. No, we don't. And and I think that weed showed me that. It showed me, hey, there, there are things out there that we as mainstream journalists think have been done to death or there's no more in that or people don't care about that. Or it's, But actually, they're not. If you present them in a cool way, one of the things about that documentary and some of the others is, you know, I don't, it didn't really have a viewpoint and we'd just be exploring something and people could make up their own minds. And that's something else I think that we get wrong in the mainstream media as well. You know, like I've been guilty of giving lots of opinions down the years and some of my best work is the stuff where I haven't given an opinion and have made people think. And anyone who says, oh, you know, people don't want stuff that makes them think and everyone just wants to be spoon-fed and uh, the whole of society has been dumbed down, etc. Well, that's kind of bullshit. Actually, I think people do want stuff that makes them think and they don't want to have stuff shoved down their throat. They do want to use their brains. And if you can find a way to do that and get to them, then then you got to then you got to go for it. And if that means getting pissed at a at a flat party down on Abel Smith Street, then by all means do it. And boy, did I get pissed down there! But that was the last time that I actually really actually ever got drunk mm. since then. So that was good. But the funny thing th about that was when we turned up to the flat Abel Smith Street, right? I had the address and it turned up there. It was my ex girlfriend's place when I was in the third year of university <laughs> oh my here. God. And so so it was still a student flat. Yeah. And and it didn't look hardly any different. And here I am turning up and there's everyone getting on the booze there just like they were 20, 20 odd years before. So it was kind of fitting. I think she always wanted me to get off the grog back in the day or just at least not come home to her place so boozed. Mm. So maybe there was something in that 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 ended up to be the last place that I ever drank alcohol. Wow. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about your, your persona and your personality. Mm. Yeah. Which obviously has become, you know, a bigger and bigger thing since getting pissed on Abel Smith Street and yes. you mentioned on weed. Like yeah, I got stoned on TV. Cones on no, TV. And yeah, no one's done that. No one else has done yeah. that, by and the way. And there's the famous, this is the fucking news. Yes. So you're... You've become almost like an influencer, like a media yeah. news influencer. Was that on purpose or was that sort of just like your personality coming through? It's stuff like this is the fucking news. Like that changed my life, which mm. is so random because I was just messing around with some university students in Auckland and I ended up, you know, we did that and it went viral and I'm never going to live that down now. That's nearly 10 years ago that this is the fucking news happened. Do you get sick of it when people bring it up? Is it like No, because if I got sick of it, I'd have to, I would have to move to, you know, a foreign country because <laughs> I have to, people say this is the fucking news to me. I shit you not every day. 
I, I would hear that every day. You know, and people will say, you'll walk past something and, and you'll get 20 metres past them or something, and then someone will say, this is the fucking news. You know what I mean? They sort of notice you. They might talk to their friend. They might say, that's that guy. Yeah. Say it. Do you know what I mean? And so I will, I, I honestly, this is not some sort of exaggeration. I would, someone would say that to me every day. Mm. And um, so I've got no, if I got sick of it, I'd like, <laughs> I, I've got to le- I've learned to option. I've yeah. learned to love it and embrace it and you know what it was fucking funny and it still is funny and for a while I sort of tried to sort of avoid it or whatever and but now I don't get sick of it sometimes people can be a little sort of if they come up with their phone on recording and then sort of it's usually younger ones and then mm. they say say it you know without yeah. sort of saying hi or anything <laughs> like that like when they just like literally come up and they say say it but you know sometimes I thought a guy was going to ask me to say it the other day and he came up to me with his phone out, this is last week. And then, um, you know, like you want to get a photo or for me to say this is the fucking news or something. And he said, hey, are you one of the Wiggles? <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I actually wanted to go, no, I'm the fucking news guy. Because I, I think yeah. getting mistaken for a Wiggle you know, that's not great. Yeah. Yeah. I that's a little a, bit offended. Yeah. I was offended. I was offended. So I was almost like, wanted to get the YouTube out and show him this is the fucking news and say, I'm yeah. this guy. Yeah. That, you know, you're close. Yeah. But, you know, I'm definitely not a wiggle. So, you know, that's the, that's the flip side of being well known. The other thing that's bad is when people see me and they say Duncan Garner. And uh, I'm like, no. So, that used to be bad, being mistaken for Duncan Garner. Why but, was it bad? Wow, it's just like I don't want I, yeah. I don't want to be mistaken Do for you that still guy. Get mistaken I don't, for Duncan Garner. I got mistaken for Duncan Garner last week. <laughs> That's a low point, and that happens a lot, getting mistaken for Duncan Garner. Love him to bits, mm. but do not want to be mistaken yeah. for my, my old boss. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but getting mistaken for a wiggle is lower than being mistaken for Duncan Garner, I can yeah. tell you that. And that is yeah, that's one of the real one of the real low points. But yep, you know, these are quite hard hard questions you're asking me because they sort of strike to the, mm. you know, the heart of yourself, I guess. It is cool that my personality has been able to come out and I can be myself and I do like it that people enjoy that and that's fun and it's it's nice for your ego and all of these things and, and you do, you know, get an ego in this kind of work that I do and, and sometimes I've been a bit of an egomaniac and to be honest, I've been a bit of a fucking dick from time mm. to time down the years and, you know, I've had to sort of learn to work with that and just I really just want to be a GC and I think when my real side comes out people like that and I've seen the real side of me a lot and that's a cool feeling I think if I tried too hard Kiwis would know and they would just say this guy's being a dick so yeah I try not to try too hard are these good answers or are these shit answers that's great yeah yeah do you ever feel like you need to put on a persona or how do you separate work Patty from yeah and and that's sort of yeah, in the same vein to what I answered, I think putting on a persona would not be fun. I'm sure people do do it and stuff like that. It's an interesting area because it's sort of like actors, comedians, that, and broadcasters. There's this sort of this performance element to it, right? There is the putting on a show, and I came into it from the other side. Like I was a sort of a nerdy, believe it or not, kind of print journalist that sort of emerged out into this world through journalism, and now. Mm. I, you know, I do all of this sort of performance stuff as well. And I think, you know, honestly, you know, putting on a show would not really be me. You know, the patty that people see on screen is the patty elsewhere. Mm. For, for me, sometimes it's just hardest in in life when sometimes you just, you know, you know, because I'm getting older now, you do get to the weekends and you're just like, I do not want to see anyone yeah. or talk to anyone. You become quite introverted outside of life because you spent most of your week being quite extroverted, like literally 
Mm. Everybody watching you on TV, you know, when you're in newsrooms, you want to be positive and stuff like that. You know, when you're out and about, you want to be positive. And then sometimes I just get to the weekend and I'm just like, man, I just mm. don't want to see anybody. You know, I don't want to see my friends type thing. You know, I don't want to go out of the house and just while I sort of regather mm. my energy. But I do know that I am happiest when I'm doing stuff like this. Mm. Like at the moment, I'm having a lot of fun talking to you guys, which sort of shows yeah. that when I'm being myself, that's cool. And I think in modern life, all of this shit with social media and stuff like that, and you guys have grown up with it and everything, I think it's really important that people can be themselves in life. I think people find it really hard now to be themselves in life because, you know, we post on Instagram, we show all this other stuff, we see all this other stuff that we didn't used to see. And and it is hard, you know, I'm sure everybody who's listening will be like, yeah, it is hard to kind of be real and be me. And if people see me doing it and just go, yeah, I just want to be myself and have a good life and be me like as hard as it's sort of an easy thing to say but it's a harder thing to do mm. yeah so yeah but that's that's my vibe it's just like yeah just just be me be a gc don't be a dick leave your ego wherever you can shove the big bloody thing and <laughs> and, yeah. and crack and crack on yeah it yeah. seems like from from looking at your social media the place where maybe you're most authentic yes is your tiktok yeah. Do you agree? Patty G. How did that come Can about? Can we talk a bit about your TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> Shit, man. Like, so I've always been interested in social media. Yeah. Like, I was one of the first people to really get into Twitter and stuff like that. And, oh, and, I, and yeah, yeah, when it was, when it was good and Instagram, I've loved. And then, you know, I was getting older and older and, you know, TikTok came along and I didn't really get too in there. And I didn't even have a TikTok. And then I did the Vaxathon while mm. we were having the vaccine drive. And yeah, one of the people there got me. Got me on it. Sonny Natai, he was on it. And this Who made the username? He, he did. He did. Really? Yeah. So was yeah. the first time you'd been donned yeah. to a paddy gym. Yeah, that's right. So some of the other presenters there, there's a lot of young ones and um, Sonny Natai and others, and and they sort of called me Matua because I'm older. And, and we sort of had a young crew of presenters, and I was one of the older ones. That was actually my job was to was to be one of the ones that could get us through the whole day. And yeah, so so there and then it was just like, hey, set up a TikTok. And, and I was like, yeah, now's the time. Might as well do it today. We were trying to reach people on TikTok and checked in the name out to a Patty G. Mm-hmm. And and it just took off. I think I got 70 or 80,000 followers on the first day and, you know, sent my first TikToks from the Vaxathon. And then it just became a pretty cool name to have out there. Mm. And it's pretty awesome that people call me that for, you know, for an old bastard. It's, yeah. quite, it's quite nice that people view me as their matua. I yeah. quite like it. It's good. Yeah. And, and and I quite like it the way that it sort of takes the takes the piss out of me a little bit as well. It's yeah. like, it's so yeah, I loved it. And that meant that I was able to sort of experiment with TikTok and, I, you know, I used it at Crate Day and, and that went viral, you know, and, and stuff like that. I don't feel that great about that now because that was promoting binge drinking. But hey. We learn as we go. Yeah, no, I like TikTok. You swear a lot on your TikTok, and now we're talking to you here, and you're not swearing as much as that. Oh, is that f- part of the persona? or No, no, I do swear a lot. I, I, sorry for not... I thought I did say a few fucks he's, earlier. He's dropped, he's dropped Maybe I haven't been yeah. listening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you started You started swearing early on. Yeah, but well, yeah. I no, you, I mean, you can't swear too much on TV because mm. yeah. there's all these rules. You can swear in the documentaries. They're on a little bit later. But, you know, swearing, is it that bad these days? Mm. Honestly. Have you, you know, been like stuck in a live cross, but maybe back in your political days and you're doing a live cross and the words sort of escape you and all you can think no, is, is swear? No, the, the only 
time that I've sworn on TV, because you've got to remember this is the fucking news was a skit, right? It was a skit that we were playing around on. Then we did this is the fucking news. It was a news. law review, wasn't it? Was it was a law yeah. review. They were making a skit. They wanted John Campbell to be in it. He didn't return their calls. <laughs> I was so desperate. I went along. We were filming something. We did that. And then someone put it in these bloopers reels and it looked like real news because the guys from the Law Review mm. had filmed it in a real way. People thought it was a real blooper. Mm. But if you look closely at this as the fucking news, there's actually a lot of fake news around it that it's a, that it's a news blooper because I mm. say the race between James and Phoebe is really heating up now. And then the guy jumps up and interrupts me and then I say this is the fucking news because yeah. they were filming a thing about James and Phoebe were competing for the um, um, the president of the Auckland mm. Law Society mm. and I was a reporter covering this race so anyway long story short this is the fucking news is not a real fucking blooper there's it's a swear word for you news. yeah 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 but last year at the Queen's funeral I was live we we're doing live coverage and my job was to go down. Jacinda Ardern was coming out of her hotel and she was going to do, give a short answer to New Zealand media before going to the funeral. We get down there. There's all of these people crowding around and I'm sitting there and I'm like, they've just seen the limousine and the police bodyguards and all that sort of stuff and, and media waiting. And they think there's a, there's a VIP or someone famous in here like Alton John or something's going to come out of here and they're waiting for a glimpse of that. And, and little do they realize it's just going to be the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and they're going to be disappointed. Ask her the questions queen's funeral she's dressed in black i'm dressed in black do my job get it done goes into the live show back in new zealand jacinda ardern jumps in the car and drives off and the crowd are like jacinda jacinda we love you we love you bye 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 i'm sitting there and i just say to myself not to anyone else i just say to myself fuck yeah. they do know her i just said it out loud right so yeah. i just like fuck they do know her you know, like, fuck, fucking hell, they do know her. I was live in New Zealand. <laughs> so my phone instantly starts going off. And people are like, did you just say fuck? Because I already had the reputation as mm. that this is the fucking news guy. And then I've done it again on the fucking mm. Queen's funeral. <laughs> like, what a, what a, what a fucking shocker. Yeah. Like, how, what, what, how can I, how can I, on that of all days, like, her funeral, this is literally Jacinda Ardern is on the way to the Queen of mm. England's funeral. Funeral, and I've said fuck live on TV. <laughs> You're perhaps the only person who can get away with it. Yeah, that's that's what my boss said. I thought my boss, I thought my boss was going to absolutely um, cane me yeah. for for this, and she was like, "Oh, you know what? It's pretty funny because it, it was hard for me to tell. I'm like standing around in England, everyone's mourning and everything like that. You know, like I was sort of thinking, you know, that 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 I that I sort of thinking that I'd really it's like trampled on the Queen's grave or something. That was the sort of football feeling that right. came Isn't after that a me. Strength, though? Like I'd say one of your strengths as a journalist is that you're very authentic. Yeah, Whether yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're yeah. extremely honest in your documentaries and yeah. in your reporting. How do you try to keep that authenticity going? Yeah, and that's right. It's uh, And I think there is something to that. Uh, you know, and I, I know that people, they won't always agree with me and that's cool, um, but they might agree with my reasons for 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 why I, why I believe something or that. But mm. I think, you know, authenticity is is key and you've just got to be real. There's no secret to that. You can't, mm. doesn't matter how many Instagram posts or how many articles you write or, or whatever you did, if you're not authentic, people know 
and that's one of the cool things like it doesn't matter what's happening you know and what technology's doing or what's going on if someone's not authentic people know and then that's it it's just over you can't mm-hmm. fake it which is kind of cool because it's sort of touch wood AI can't do it or any mm-hmm. anything can't do it yeah. and and I think that's one of the things about journalism itself is despite all these technological advances actually nothing has really changed in my career it's all just mm-hmm. about get some facts communicate them to some people they like what they hear or read and and they go away and they you know they take what they can from that you know that sounds pretty basic but the cool thing is that well that's the authenticity of journalism and it doesn't matter if there's fake news or AI or Twitter or blogging. You know, because blogging used to be a big thing. Believe everyone's like, "Oh, blogging's here. This is <laughs> oh, Twitter's here. Oh, TikTok's here. Oh, AI's here." Actually, because it's a human thing and authenticity is a human thing, people know it. You're either authentic or you're not. Yeah. So I don't know. So yeah. we're running out of time, but very quickly we'll get into some honest and authentic little last yeah. section here. I do like we- do like you too, by oh, the way. Thank you. Yeah, this is good. Okay. Yeah. So we can't have. Mark is it like a quick? G is it like here? a quick? Fire? Not quick fire, but if we could election. do a quick sort of... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is important. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. what it means for students. So if you can sort of tell us your reckons, the way things are going. Yes. Maybe referring to some polls and what that means to your average, probably disengaged student. Mm. Mm. And what's mm. your involvement also? What are you getting up to? This yes, I'll be involved in a couple of the bigger things. I'm not, you know, as people know, I'm not day-to-day in politics anymore, but I'll sort of be involved in election night and doing the results as they come in and showing how that breaks down out there. That's one of my specialist areas. I'll be involved in and around the TV3 debate. So watch this space about what my exact role will be. But yeah, there'll be, you know, a couple of big things those are two pretty big things so I'll be involved in a pretty big way I guess yeah that I can't 100% confirm yeah and how do you think based on where we're at now things will go on the night yeah I mean it's going to be pretty close polls at the moment are sort of showing the national and the act side pulling out a little bit that can change MMP elections are always pretty close no matter what you know I know it's a sort of not the most exciting answer in the world, but I'm expecting it to be pretty yeah. close pretty close on the night. Yeah. yeah. We were yeah. talking about this a bit before we were recording, but you can never rule out Winston Peters. What are you reckon? <laughs> yeah, you've, you've he, been in the back? media for a while. Look, it's too early to say whether he's back mm. or not, but as someone who's followed Winston Peters pretty bloody closely down the mm. years, if that guy is around 4%, which he is at the moment, and a number of polls, more than one, then look out mm. when he might be back. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick thing about yeah, being around four percent is 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 good for him because people look at that and they know if I vote for Winnie P, my vote is going to count. He needs to get to five percent, obviously, but if he's around four, that gives people that kind of knowledge. That means the media treat him more credibly. It means people can look and know their vote's not going to be wasted. And Winnie P at four percent. He's, uh, you know, I've he's seen back him. In the game. I've seen him. He is more than back in the game. He's back mm. in the game. He's over halfway. He's pushing at the try line when he's at four mm. percent. Yeah, I've seen him come from intercept try. Ter- sorry to have rugby talk, but I've seen. <laughs> no, it's great. I've seen him no, come from. Good. I've seen him come from intercept try territory deep in his own half, um, yep. carrying an injury and get back. Right. At the moment, he is hot on attack on the try line getting closer. Does that help? That's a beautiful <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just one last thing before we wrap up. Yes. The social media campaigns from 
National and Labour and the I was Green. thinking about this today. They are interesting. Have you had a look at the sand cutting videos with National? The National yeah. Party's yeah. fake podcast. Well, they're fake podcasts doing... with... Um, no, fake podcasts. They so ba- <laughs> Chris Bishop. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. They pretend they're on a what, podcast. Yeah. The podcast hasn't been posted what are your anywhere. Yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do, yeah. That, they do that thing like when people do a podcast mm, and they film they it, it. Yeah. and then they clip the best bit that's come out. And but then, yeah. There's no actual podcast. What do you think about that? What do I think about that? Wow, what so my take on the social media of the parties would be where the fuck is Labour on social media? Yes. Like what, gone, what is going on? So and national, I've been watching this stuff because mm. as you know, when you watch something on TikTok, mm. the algorithm, you see yeah. more you see so I started watching Luxon and then I wanted to oh, you want some alt right. And then I right then now. I wanted to um see what else he was doing on TikTok and I was like, Oh yeah, this is interesting. This Lux is doing quite a lot on TikTok. He's on Maybe nearly every e- eh? nearly every day. So mm. then he starts flooding in. So I'm seeing more and more of him. But mm. Labor's La- Labor doesn't even have a TikTok. I was mm. told. Yeah. So they they're not they're not there. I find mm. that very. It's odd, eh? I find that mm. very strange. That, I think that shows that maybe their campaign is disorganized. But to be honest, anyone trying to do anything on social media anywhere would be trying to do something on TikTok. Mm. So, you know, any company, any anything setting up would do something on TikTok. And they're not there. So that's strange. Getting the uh, interns. For, yeah. And it, actually, national stuff, yep, it might be fake. It might be weird or whatever. Mm. You know, they're obviously got someone who knows what they're doing. And it's working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're mm. getting it out there. And then Shane Jones is just... <laughs> And and there's someone needs to investigate the bad boy of New Zealand politics. It's got a whole lot of Winston Peters. The, the mm. NZ First supporter yeah. account, which is everywhere posting clips from like that's the nineties of yeah. promoting like, the hell out of them. That's right. Do you is, the, it is Winston? I, I think it. I think it must be. I think it must him. be linked. It must be linked to him because it, it, there's a lot of work going into that bad mm. boy of NZ politics. Where's like, the authorization statement? Where's the authorization mm. statement? But where are they getting all of that footage from? How do they? Someone who knows them Maybe really his well. Kids are running well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a story <laughs> but I, idea. I do sense that I look at it, it and smells. I just think, yes, it smells like it smells like Winston's doing it himself. Well, not him personally, but it smells like it is something it's an inside job. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. if you look at Shane Jones's one and he's that done that, yeah. yeah, it's I, I'm I'm looking at them. I don't know. There might be it might just be someone who just really loves Winston Peters, but mm. who knows? I don't know. But yeah, that you know, dodgy podcasting. Mm. Um, geez, that's the, they're desperate. These people, aren't they? Yeah. Who who makes a fake podcast? Only a politician would do that. Yeah. Hey, no one else would do that. Not the authentic stuff like this. <laughs> no, this is real. Yeah. This is real podcast, Ethan. This real, is good. Honest, authentic, Pro- honest, authentic yeah. salient podcast. Yeah. Well, with Ethan and Zoe. Promo. We'll, we'll fucking great one as well. Yes. Honest, authentic. Salient podcast with Ethan and Zoe, news oh co-editors. Perfect. Fuck Thank yeah. You for the what a, fuck fuck yeah. Yeah. What a note yeah. to end it on. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. We're Thank well over so time. <laughs> this has been a great chat. Patrick, yeah. Uh, political beast. Yeah. Thank you. Icon. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for news beast. Yeah. <laughs>